Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We talk all about Microsoft. What we call now is Microsoft Relationship Management, so licensing, economics, agreement negotiation. And today, as usual, I'm joined by my business partner, Daryl Ullman. He is the chief negotiation officer of SamExpert. Thank you, Alex. This time, Alex is going to be the moderator, and mm. I'll be providing, hopefully, some insightful answers regarding unified support a topic that is coming up more and more uh, by our customers. So we bring up issues and areas of interest that we see recurring on a constant basis. Questions coming in from our followers and from our community and also from our day-to-day interactions with our customers around enterprise agreement renewals that many times lead or don't lead, but are accompanied by unified support, what was known in the past as premier support. I remember when Microsoft started putting everybody onto unified support, when you still almost had a choice between continuing to procure premier support, which was easy to understand, you paid for actual services, hours or tickets, now, maybe a little bit off. I think it was 2018. Funny enough, it's still referred to as premier agreement. When we have conversations around renewals, it's interesting that, that people still refer to it as we have a premier agreement renewal. It's still not referred to as a standard as unified. So premier agreement that was around 20 years, plus minus back in the 2000s, I think it was introduced, maybe slightly before that, was so embedded in the minds of everybody that it just stuck. The idea that the business model around Unified has completely changed from Premier hasn't really sunk in, even though it's been three, four years. And that is one of the biggest surprises organizations come up against when they start looking into the Unified support costs. Looking at the various teams inside organizations, the current day situation, let's take the core three teams. We have IT, CIO, the lead of procurement, and we have CFO. And the way they view it, IT gave up. They basically just see this as, okay, fine. We understand. Is the percentage of what we consume. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have the CFO who looks at this and thinks, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Why am I paying so much more? <laughs> exactly. And then we have a procurement person between the rock and the hard place, yeah. the rock and the hard place, which is IT CFO. We have the most difficult job in the organization. Yeah. Let's be true. As somebody told me recently from procurement, they said, you know what we do? We manage risks. <laughs> we don't manage costs. We manage risks most of the time. And this is a massive risk, which they have no control of. We so want to give them some control. We've got some tips today that can provide them with a bit of control over their expenses. One of the questions that we hear recently from the clients that we deal with on a day-to-day basis is the kind of what the hell question. Why are unified support prices increasing even though I'm not utilizing more services? It's confusing. And I'd even say from a business perspective, if it wasn't Microsoft and you were dealing with a smaller vendor, it would never fly. There's no provider out there that can increase costs automatically, provide Mm -hmm. the same level of service, And nobody's going to say anything. It can only be with Microsoft. And I'm being a bit blunt here. The reason being is that the unified support is a masterpiece of an agreement, an understatement. The way that it's structured, that 
it's based on your actual consumption costs of your enterprise agreement and your Azure monthly billing statement is unbelievable. Regardless of you actually consuming support or consulting services or proactive support from your unified support contract, because you're actually paying a percentage of your overall enterprise agreement and Azure monthly costs, you've actually lost control. And you're not seeing the value that you're actually paying for. You sign an agreement and you've got a fixed price, at least that's what you think you have. And three months later, or six months later, your Azure spend spikes up. And we all know that's happening to most organizations. And then your unified support bill increases as well, but you haven't really utilized any additional services. And then your CFO that's budgeted, got a budget, got a set budget, you know what you're going to pay, picks up the phone or sends you an email and it says, what the hell is going on here? Please explain to me why are we paying me? Are we consuming more services? So the bottom line is with Premier, it was simple. You had a fixed price. You knew how many service credits you were getting. You knew exactly what kind of consulting services, number of engineer hours. Everything was really transparent and it didn't change throughout the year, only if you required additional services. And here it's exactly the opposite. Nothing's changing, but you're paying more. That's where the big caveat mm. is. It's a percentage of your spend. Can I offset my unified support costs by using software assurance benefits? It's changing. Software assurance benefits are declining. There was a very nice software assurance benefit package initially where you also got support credits. So what Microsoft did in the past, and they're still doing it, but because software assurance benefits are declining, it's not really a big benefit anymore. <laughs> but there was a time where there was a substantial amount of service credits, of support credits within the software assurance benefits. And what Microsoft did, they took those SAB benefits for support. They translated it into a monetary figure. So they did a certain calculation, and if you got this, okay, this is worth $50,000, $100,000, and then they credited you of the first year of your unified support costs. So just say your first year support cost was supposed to be $200,000, and you're expecting to budget 200, 200, and 200. Microsoft offset the first year, just say by 100,000, by providing you a conversion of those SAB credits. So the first year you paid 100,000. Now, if you didn't pay attention, and not everybody pays attention, it's only for your first year. If you only budgeted 100,000, the second year is a big surprise because the second year now is 200,000. It might even actually be more because your Azure spend went up, maybe you had internal growth, so you added on a number of M365 licenses, so that of course will increase your overall spend. And then from 100,000, you go to 200K, if not higher. Again, if you don't set your budget correctly and you didn't understand that those SA benefits are only applicable to year one of the contract. And again, even that is disappearing because SA benefits are declining. What are the key mistakes made when negotiating unified support contracts? 
That's a really good question. The first mistake is not understanding the model correctly. It's very misleading. Okay, it's misleading. One of the mistakes or misconceptions is that your cost is going to stay constant over the three-year period because you misunderstood that the percentage is based on your actual spend and spend fluctuates, spend changes, it goes up. So that's the first mistake. The second mistake is that if you are a really large organization, very large enterprise organization, you need to understand that you can actually negotiate two factors. Okay, I'm not saying that it's trivial, but there are two factors that can be negotiated. One is the percentage you're actually paying. There are different tiers of what the percentage of your Microsoft spend between 6 and 10. There are very accurate tables. Ask for the Microsoft conversion tables, the percentage that you're going to be paying from your spend. And there are certain tiers. I'm not going to get into the details. Go to our website. We've got a really good article on unified support. And all the tables are there. All the data is there. You can negotiate the tiers. Depending on your size, depending on how you coordinate that unified support contract with your other renewals. If you do it together with your EA renewal or maybe with a new Azure Mac agreement, you've got a better chance of actually adjusting the tiers. That's one mistake of not understanding or not pushing to adjust the tiers. Another mistake is, you know, I won't even call it a mistake, a lack of knowledge because you negotiate this once every three years or maybe it's the first time you've ever negotiated this contract, is that depending on the size of the organization, you can cap the potential growth of your spend. If your contract's at 200000 per year, I'm just giving you a number. We know unified support can get into the millions. If you're expecting huge growth on your Azure spend, but you're not expecting to consume additional support services, have a discussion with Microsoft on actually capping that 200000 to 250 to 275, not to exceed. So you don't have those surprises coming your way. So you need to look at everything holistically and then understand that, yes, that is negotiable depending on what leverage you can bring to the negotiation. It's not about you can just go and ask because Daryl said that it's possible. It doesn't work like that. You can try. I'm not sure they're going to like hearing my name just as you just throw it out there. <laughs> But you need to build up the right leverage in order to have a conversation about those points that I just discussed. Basic negotiation strategy. Build up leverage, build up alternative that we can discuss in a minute, and then put your requirements, demands, targets, whatever you want to call them, on the table and now have a discussion. Speaking of alternatives, we do have a question. It's a pretty frequently asked question recently because people are fed up with uncontrollable costs of unified support and they're looking for alternatives. For example, in the Oracle world, there's Rimini Street. There's another company I forgot. Spinnaker. Spinnaker, yes. Do we have alternatives in the Microsoft world? There are alternatives. I'm not going to name names, not yet to promote anybody, you can Google them. You'll find that very simply. Just Google unified support yeah, alternatives. How legitimate it is to use them? I want to separate my answer. So my first answer is yes, there are alternatives out there 
to unified support. From feedback that we've been hearing from customers, it's not bad. I want to say it's good support. At least that's the feedback that we're hearing. There aren't that many alternatives out there like with Oracle. But the alternatives that are out there provide you with two benefits. One, the model is very much like the old Premier model, where it's not based on your spend. It's based on number of support tickets and consulting hours and proactive workshops. Everything that you are used to in your Premier agreement, these alternatives actually provide. That's a big benefit because you can actually plan ahead and it's a fixed price. Actually, there's three benefits. The second benefit is pricing. So they are anywhere between 30 to 50% less than your unified support costs. It's not exactly apples to apples. So I'm not saying take this and you're going to get exactly the same support. But for, I would say, the majority of organizations out there, they will provide you with the level of support that you actually require. And they, number of them actually have backend support to Microsoft. Just say so you have a severity a issue they can escalate it back to Microsoft. The third benefit, and I'm going to get back to my negotiation hat, that's alternatives. And I love alternatives. I actually would look at this as your BATNA. BATNA is your best alternative to negotiated agreement. So what are your alternatives? The worst thing to do when you negotiate, even for a unified support, is that you feel that it's like a monopoly. You have no alternative. Ultimately, you're going to have to concede and pay what is requested from you. There's always a BATNA. There's always an alternative. If you at least bring in an option of a third-party support, and Microsoft knows of these companies, they're not foreign to them, and you get a price quote, I'm not saying abuse their support and their willingness to provide you with an alternative, get into a conversation with them, and then benchmark them. Benchmark Microsoft, benchmark the competitor, like any kind of negotiation. I know it seems peculiar to benchmark Microsoft or to have an <laughs> alternative to Microsoft. I think that we're also used to Microsoft being Microsoft, except for maybe Azure services, cloud services that you've got AWS, you've got Google Cloud and Microsoft. But there's another alternative out there. So it might not be that big an agreement, but it's still money wasted that can go somewhere else. So, yes. Third benefit is an alternative, alternative pricing. And from our experience, it can change the dynamics of the discussion completely. Good. Thank you. Daryl, I would like to close off this session with answering any audience questions. And Tushar is asking, can we reduce the number of licenses if we have an enterprise agreement? for three years in terms of perpetual licenses. Perpetual licenses, you can't reduce them. As simple as that. When you are absolutely sure that you're talking about licenses like Office Professional Plus, not Microsoft 365, Office Professional Plus, or Windows 10, Windows 11 per device, those licenses you can't reduce. Then any other perpetual licenses like Windows Server, SQL Server, the only option for you to reduce them is when you renew the enterprise agreement after three years. That's why we actually suggest 
when you renew an agreement, look at mixed options. For example, sovereign cloud enrollment allows you to at the same time buy perpetual licenses and subscriptions, and that makes you more flexible. If you switch to online services, then go for a purely enterprise subscription agreement and move everything else, all the other licenses, to an alternative agreement like MPSA or to your server and cloud enrollment. And that will provide you a lot of flexibility on what you can do with Microsoft 365, as long as you license everybody with Microsoft 365. The simple answer to your question, Tushar, is there's no way. That's the whole point. You commit it to pay for software assurance for three years, and there's no way out. You have to pay all that money, unfortunately. I have a few more questions about unified support, Zara, but you more or less answered them during answering the other questions, because one of them was, for example, how is pricing calculated? You said that. Is the year one cost of unified support is the same as year two and year three? Not necessarily. <laughs> Not as a standard. If you still do have software assurance benefits that you can utilize, then that can reduce your first year cost. Might be substantial, it might be just a dent in the cost. But that first year discount or reduction in cost will not carry on to this year two and three. So you have to budget for that. Now you can't amortize that reduction over the three years. So you have a fixed fee. Microsoft won't provide that to you. In addition, because your EA will grow due to sizing of your internal user force, so your M365 licenses will increase, your SQL Server licenses will increase, your Windows Server will increase, even if you have Dynamics and everything else that are very expensive licenses. And of course, if you are an Azure customer, that's going to increase. Then your cost for year two and three, regardless, is going to grow. So one of the things that you have to do, your responsibility to your CFO, is to budget a cost increase every single year of your contract. Or if you're big enough, as I pointed out, I'm going to end with this, try and negotiate a not exceed or cap on your support costs. So just keep that in mind as an option for your next negotiation. Daryl, thank you. On this note, we've come to the end of our weekly live stream on each Wednesday that we have here on YouTube channel. Please come to our next live. Thank you, Daryl, again, and thanks everybody who's been with us today. Thank you. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Thanks.